Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hey, 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 listeners. Happy Tuesday, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge podcast. So excited to hang out with you guys today. We are at the beginning of a new week. How was your Monday? How is the beginning of your week turning out? My week actually seems to be flying by, so I feel like I might be at the weekend before I know it, which is both a good and a bad thing. All right, you guys, today we are going to be talking about some heavier topics. So here's a little bit of a trigger warning. We are going to be navigating the waters of PMADS or perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, In this episode particularly, we are talking about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. We will be talking about a trip to an ER and a brief stint in a psych ward to help a mama get better. We're going to be talking about all the emotions that come along with that too, the shame and the guilt and sometimes even resentment towards your partner can rise up postpartum kind of out of nowhere to be honest. I'm so excited to have on the founder of Moms Maternal Health, Jen, who is also a mom of two little girls and who has an angel baby in heaven. She's a former first grade teacher from New Jersey and a survivor of postpartum anxiety and depression. She founded Moms Maternal Health to help educate and provide support to moms that may be suffering just like she was when she found herself newly postpartum both times. She really has a passion for normalizing the hardships of motherhood and helping bring awareness to the heavy emotions that might accompany having a baby. I'm really excited to dive into this. If at any point this episode gets too much, I encourage you to pause, take a break, and revisit it when you are ready to receive this information. 
I agree with Jen that this is information that people need to know about. Nothing we say today will be said in a scary way or said in a way that is meant to make you fearful of postpartum. Matter of fact, Jen and I are both very careful with our language to hopefully present this in a way that feels educational and empowering. We want you to know that you have so much control here. While your hormones might not be in your control, the way that you react and respond to your body, the awareness that you have of your feelings and emotions, and the choice to reach out and ask for help are all in your control. All right, guys, buckle up. Here we go. Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. I'm so excited to have you. I think that this topic is one that um, is really important. But I also think it's a topic that a lot of people, A, don't know a lot about. And what we do know about, it's it's really generally surface level information. And a lot of times it's inaccurate. And this is a topic that a lot of people shy away from. Um, unfortunately, you know, our society doesn't do an awesome job at educating people about um, mood disorders and mood complications that might follow birth. And so I think this is going to be a very, very important conversation. So I'm super excited to have you. Before we dive in, I just gave a formal intro to you, but who, who is Jen behind the camera? Who are you just on an everyday level? Give us kind of the rundown on who you are. Who are we talking to today? <laughs> So yeah, my name is Jen. I have uh, two little girls. One is almost four and the baby is about a year and a half. Um, I am married. I was a first grade teacher for a while and I recently resigned. Um, I am a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder survivor, specifically postpartum depression, anxiety, and OCD. Um, And that really has led me to becoming so passionate about awareness surrounding uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and um, creating mom's maternal health so that that education piece is there for women prior to having their babies. Um, And it is pretty much everything that I wish I had either known or I had as a resource when I was suffering in silence. Um, So yeah, that is, that's kind of where I am and who I am. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So um, let's, let's dive into that. Going through um, the experience that you went through, what were some of those things that you wish you had known beforehand? We have tons of pregnant listeners right now who I'm sure are thinking like, oh my God, okay, well, what do I need to know? What are some of those things that you got on the other side and you thought, golly, I sure wish someone had prepared me for this a little bit better. Yeah. And I think with that, and I'm sure you can relate to this, that It blows my mind that we are seen so many times while we're pregnant by our OB and we're seen one time, maybe two times postpartum. And in any of those appointments while we're pregnant, there is no education about this. And um, I myself thought 
I knew what postpartum depression was. And I never thought that that would happen to someone like me because I am normally a very happy person. I have a very supportive husband. Both of our families are very supportive. Um, like I said, there's just like, I never thought that it could happen to someone like me. And not that I'm like perfect by any means. I've just, I've never experienced severe anxiety. I've never uh, experienced depression. So I, things that I wish that I knew was um, that this can happen to anyone and it can happen to people while they're pregnant as well. It is not just postpartum. And that's the confusing piece is the word postpartum depression has been around for so many years and not everybody experiences the symptom of feeling depressed or sad or they're crying constantly. So then they're confused, like, well, they know that there's something that's not quite right and they're not feeling like themselves, but yet they're not depressed. So they, they don't know what that, what the answer is. So it can happen during pregnancy. Um, it does not any, none of the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, they don't discriminate. They can happen to anyone. I wish that I knew that they could happen at any time. Uh, during pregnancy or postpartum. And the postpartum period is roughly up to a year, but it can go way past that, especially if it's undiagnosed um, and not treated. And um, I myself did not experience anything until four months postpartum. So everything prior to that was hard adjusting to two kids close in age, but I was, I was fine. Um, and then out of nowhere, this hit me. And I, I never thought that it could be that because I think society makes us believe that postpartum depression happens right after birth or shortly after birth. Definitely not four months postpartum, but it actually can. And it, it does seem to happen a lot around like six to eight months. Um, I wish that I knew that it could happen with any pregnancy. I didn't think that I was suffering from that because I didn't have this with my first, like, so that was just, I, I think, again, another thing that I think women just think they know myself included because we aren't educated in it. Um, and when I talk about the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, like I said, it was previously, um, it was previously referred to as just postpartum depression, but they've since realized that it is a spectrum of different mood disorders. Um, there is depression that can be during pregnancy and or postpartum. There is anxiety during pregnancy or postpartum. Um, the OCD during pregnancy and postpartum, um, which is very different than the typical OCD that we tend to think of. Um, there is the PTSD disorder, bipolar mood disorder during pregnancy and postpartum. And then there's also postpartum psychosis. So it's a wide spectrum. All of these disorders can appear so different on everyone. And um, there are a wide range of symptoms and not everybody experiences all of them. So I did not experience rage, which rage is a very, very common symptom. I would say my biggest symptom that I suffered with um, when I knew immediately something was not right was these scary, scary thoughts 
that were directed towards my baby that again, popped up out of nowhere one day. And I had no idea what it was. I just thought I was going crazy, literally. And it makes me so sad because I know how many moms have felt like that. And motherhood is so hard as it is that no mom should ever feel like they're going crazy. And if I would have just known these true symptoms, these very common symptoms, I would like to think that I would not have suffered in silence. I would not have been misdiagnosed at the hospital and um, that I would have been able to get help immediately. So come to find out these scary, scary thoughts are so common. They're called intrusive thoughts and they, they can be about yourself. They can be about your baby. They can be really about anything and they, they're not real. They feel so real um, and they're, they're scary. They're exactly what, what they are. Um, and I've just learned so much about all of this because I've suffered through it and I've survived. And gosh, I just like, that's, that's my biggest goal right now is to educate every single pregnant woman and their partner and their family members. Um, on what these these can look like. And it's never to scare anyone, but I wish somebody brought this up when I was pregnant. And I, I might have felt scared for a second, but being scared, I would choose that any day over living my darkest of days at four months postpartum, wondering what, what these thoughts were. Gosh, that's so touching to me. I mean, you just hit on so many factors that made me gosh, just take a deep breath and be like, wow, that, how true is that? Right. How deep does that run? Okay. So for people like me, who I kind of just like base on have anxiety every day. I mean, um, I feel like a lot of us in 2020, I, I feel like a lot of, um, you know, women or, or female identifying people, uh, men totally too as well. But I think, you know, a lot more women would be more open in, in saying like, of course, I just have like a baseline, you know, thing of anxiety. How do we tell the difference between regular pregnancy anxiety and like, wow, this is kind of taken a turn to maybe I need a little bit more support than just meditating and journaling and what I have been doing. How do we tell the difference? Yeah. So that is a great question. And I think like, yeah, I think everyone and especially moms, but I feel like we all suffer from some sort of anxiety, but um, this is, this is so, so, so different. It literally took over my life. It took over my mind. It took over my thoughts. And I would say that, um, I tell moms all the time that if you, if you're feeling like you are not yourself and whether or not you are able to share that with someone, that that's a red flag right there that when a woman a mom tells you or someone that's pregnant i don't feel like myself that's their way of asking like i need help i just i can't maybe not tell you what's going on with me um like myself i i was embarrassed to share these horrible thoughts that i was having with my husband which is horrible i share everything with him but i was so worried that he was going to judge me. Like, what kind of mom am I who thinks like this, you know? Um, and so 
first of all, yeah, if you're not feeling like yourself, that is a major red flag. And um, also, if it is starting to like interfere with you as a person, your day to day, like life, um, and especially your sleep, then that's when you know that it is something more because sleep is so incredibly important. Um, but the lack of sleep is the worst for anxiety. And I know for me, when these thoughts kept coming at me at nighttime, I was, I had a baby that was sleeping through the night at four months, but I could not go to sleep because these thoughts just kept haunting me. It was like there was a demon inside of my head and I was getting two hours of sleep. And that's when everything completely went downhill for me. And I think that that those thoughts, that anxiety then led to this deep, dark depression, which was so different than who I was every single day of my life. Um, and I knew, I knew for about a month that, that there was something that was really wrong with me. And I think that's why women don't say anything and they suffer in silence because we are not educated in this stuff. And there's such a stigma placed on it. Um, and I think that the more we all talk and share our stories, which is um, a huge goal of what I'm doing on Moms Maternal Health is basically opening up for everyone and anyone to share their hardships in motherhood. And with every uh, story that I share or someone else shares, I always pray that there is a mom on the other side of the screen that is praying to come across something like that, that they can relate to. And they feel like those are the answers that I've been looking for. And then, you know, are brave enough to seek help. So <clears throat> if, if you no, don't that's, mind, oh, go for it. No, that, that was it. <laughs> if you don't mind, do you mind sharing kind of what some of these intrusive thoughts you were having, you know, with us? And then also, how do you get past that feeling of shame of having these thoughts in order to actually have that conversation with your partner, with your mom, with your doctor, with your doula, with your best friend, with your sister, you know, you, you talked about, I kind of knew this for a month and I, I didn't say anything because I had this heavy feeling that my, the, my very best friend, my husband, the person I said I would, you know, love unconditionally and they would do the same for me. I was afraid that they weren't going to love me unconditionally and that they were going to judge me. How does someone go from that to actually being able to have this conversation because it's not going to happen overnight and there's certainly going to be some rocky, you know, some rocky parts in that. So what does that look like? So, yeah. Um, so the, talking about the intrusive thoughts, there are lots of common ones. And um, for me specifically, I was, it was like a typical morning. The baby had woken up from a nap. We were playing on her tummy time mat and out of nowhere, this thought came across my mind of what if I hurt her or what if something happened to her right now? And I completely freaked, as you can imagine. Like, where, why would something like that ever come across my mind? This is a baby that I'm obsessed with. She's been easy since the second I popped her out. There would be no reason for anyone to think like that, right? So you can imagine why I thought I was going crazy. And I, 
I just became so obsessed with that thought. And that was the OCD part of it that when I knew that I was going to be alone with her, um, whether, whether it was just bringing her up for a nap and being alone with her in her room or being alone with her when my husband was at work or when our toddler was at daycare, the anxiety popped in and I was worrying again, well, what if that thought comes back? And like that, so that's a common one. Um, there are so many other common ones, like, um, feeling like you're going to, what if you fall down the stairs while you're holding your baby? Or what if your baby um, drowns when you're giving your baby a bath? And these thoughts come into our mind all the time. We have a million thoughts every single day, but we don't think anything of them. They kind of just come and go. But when they are about your, your baby, someone that you love, and they're, they're not right, you just like fixate on them. Um, another common one is being around knives. Uh, like in your kitchen, that's a common one that we hear. And it's always like the anxiety, what if, what if, what if, what if, and you just become obsessed about that. And so then I was just so afraid that to be put in these situations when I was going to be by myself with her, because I was trying to run away from this thought of coming, you know, into my mind again. And it would come again at night when I was trying to go to sleep. And just feeling like a monster. And I, I didn't know again, what it was. I had never heard of intrusive thoughts or scary thoughts before. I still at this moment did not think for a second that it was postpartum depression. And I had never even heard of postpartum anxiety, which is not okay. This is my second baby. I should know more about this. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there, there are so many, common uh, intrusive thoughts, but something that I learned in therapy that definitely helped me cope when I did speak out was that if your thoughts scare you, that that's what makes them an intrusive thought, that they're not real, you're not going to act on them. It's, It's brought on by your anxiety. And that brought me so much peace because I was terrified of this thought, terrified of it. Um, and so you had asked about like, how, how do you open up about this? And it's not easy at all because who in their right mind wants to share something like I just shared, right? Like saying it out loud, it's like, this, this was my reality. And what is someone going to think of me? Whereas if I was educated by my OB or my doula had brought this up while I was pregnant, then I totally think that the second that thought popped in my head or the second I realized like, I cannot stop crying, I'm constantly crying, or I have so much rage that I would be able to open myself up to telling you because you kind of shared all of this information with me prior. Does that make sense? Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing, you know, that really vulnerable piece of your story with us. I think so many listeners, I think they probably didn't realize. And then I think on the other end of that spectrum, there are so many listeners who you probably just touched their heart in a way different way than they ever thought. Right. Especially for people who might still be going through this and have kind of been wandering through life, wondering 
what the heck is going on? Am I ever going to return to normal? You know, and Jen, it must have been so incredibly confusing, like just an additional layer. Like I I actually have a a heaviness in my heart right now thinking about how heavy it must have been to be four months postpartum, think you're in the clear. And then all of a sudden you have this thought of, oh, my God, what if I kill my baby? Oh, my God, what if something happens? Oh, my God, what if I fall down the stairs? And you're like, why would that happen right now? I'm four months postpartum. And then it's yeah. just kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the the angel devil on your shoulder. One is like, but why would that happen? You're four months postpartum. And the other one's like, well, because because it could. There doesn't have to be a reason. You just might kill your baby. And the other shoulder's like, that would never happen. You're not going to kill your baby, right? It's got to be this internal struggle. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how how did you reconcile the ideas or you know the the pulling of both of those kind of dynamics of wait i've already been a mom once this is not my first rodeo and wait i've already been doing this for 4 months a second time but are these thoughts true how did how did that play out oh so um yeah i would say like after a month that felt like a complete year of suffering in silence. Um, And truthfully, like I would wake up in the morning and I just, I couldn't wait to go back to bed. I got up because I have two children, um, but I just, I couldn't wait to go back to bed. And again, like I keep mentioning um, intrusive thoughts and not everybody experiences them, but that was my main symptom. And I, I just was so fearful of them that I was just, I was trying to get away from them um, as much as possible and avoid being in situations when I was going to be alone with my baby to avoid that anxiety from coming on. Um, And yeah, it was so confusing because I, I felt like as soon as we brought her home, we already had like a routine in place because we already had a baby. And my husband, like I said, is so supportive. So I felt like I was rocking it in motherhood. Like it's hard, very, very hard with two young kids, but we were, we were adjusting. Um, and I thought very well. So yeah, you can imagine how confusing I felt when this came out of nowhere and my obsession with this thought that, like you said, it was just kind of like fighting both sides and, um, my husband was getting ready to go to the gym one morning and uh, it was a Saturday. I came downstairs and he knew that like, I wasn't feeling like myself. Um, and I just didn't know like what it was. And he knew that like, I was having a hard time sleeping, but I never gave him any details about these scary thoughts or anything. Um, and I said to him, I don't know why, just, I don't feel like, I don't feel comfortable with you going to the gym. Like, I just don't want to be, sorry. I don't want to be alone right now. Um, The girls were still sleeping and this led into a conversation and it led him to asking me a question that morning that I don't think he ever was expecting my answer to. And when I tell you that this question that he asked me literally saved my life. Like I am here today because of this question that he asked me. Um, And that led me to 
share everything and anything that I had been dealing with for the past month. And I, we both knew in that moment that I needed help immediately. And we called and called, really couldn't find anything or anyone, which is crazy. And um, ultimately, I needed to, to go to the ER. And when I tell people that, I don't like, I don't share that to scare them because people are scared of going to the ER because they might go to the psychiatric unit. But I will tell you that what, like, what is the alternative to keep living like you're living? And I, I was severe. There definitely, there's much more milder cases, but even if it's mild, if it's interfering with your life, like it was for mine, like no person, no mom deserves to live like that every single day. And um, so, yeah, when I went to the ER, I knew that if I wanted to get help and find out what was wrong with me, I needed to be honest. I was honest. I told them everything. And I was obviously admitted to the psychiatric unit. And of course, I was scared because I didn't know what to expect. But I was also hopeful that I was going to find answers. And I crazy enough, like I found comfort in being there because I was removed from the place that was bringing on this anxiety. And that says a whole lot about a mom finding comfort in a psychiatric unit. And I, I was able to get sleep there. And again, I was so hopeful that I was going to get answers. Turns out I met with the male uh, psychiatrist there again, shared my story and um, talking about it and saying it out loud made it a reality. And I couldn't believe that these words were coming out of my mouth, but they did. And, um, I was discharged and I was diagnosed with just being a worrier. Um, I, he said, I did not have postpartum depression for the same exact reasons that I did not think I didn't have postpartum depression because I was four months postpartum. I didn't have it with my first. I don't have a family history of it. Um, and he said, I think that you're just, it sounds like you're just a worrier and that you're overwhelmed because you have two young kids. So I was discharged thinking that I was even crazier than I had been when I got admitted into the hospital. So, Yeah. <laughs> And I think that obviously he himself was not educated in this. Um, I should, I should never have been discharged from there. That is so heartbreaking to see in real time and listeners, you can, you're hearing my voice crack. Cause I'm on the other side of this, this podcast. Crying. <laughs> no, me it, too. It hurts my heart so bad to think that we cannot support new parents better than this. Like it really, it just, it guts me in a way that I'm not sure how to keep moving forward because I don't know how to fix this. And all my soul wants to do is fix this. God, Jen, I'm so sorry about that. It just, it, it blows my mind that parents in our country can reach out to the system that is meant to and designed to help us and support us and keep us safe. And then we fail you 
utterly. And then we send you back out into the world feeling even more broken, right? That guts me. It makes me so incredibly sad that it feels almost paralyzing to me where I just, I'm not sure where to go. I don't know how to move. So um, one of the things that you pointed out that I really want to highlight is avoidant behavior. So listeners, if you guys are avoiding being with your baby alone, if you're avoiding seeing certain people, if you're avoiding doing certain things with your baby, we got a problem there, guys. We got a problem. It's a big problem. It's not your fault by any means, but we have a problem. If you are avoiding, you know, letting your partner leave the house because you're scared to be alone with your baby, that is a red flag. All right, Jen, you talked about your husband literally saved your life with one question. What are some questions that partners can ask to kind of get to the bottom of this? Because what's wrong obviously is not a helpful answer um, or a helpful question, you know, like what's going on in your mind? That's not a helpful question. How can partners be supportive and ask the right questions? What words are we looking for partners to use to be gentle and compassionate, but also direct in a way that they can get useful answers because your husband needed that answer in order to realize, wow, wow, we've got a problem and we need to act fast. How do we, how do partners get down to the bottom of it? Yeah, so that is a great question. And I will tell you that my husband's question was, I guess, just from he could hear it in my voice. Um, and again, I don't know why he would ever ask me something like this, but I am so glad that he did. But he asked me that morning, you're not thinking of harming yourself, right? And I remember saying these exact words that the thought has come across my mind, because whatever this is right now, is the absolute worst, and I have no control over it. And that was it. <laughs> um, he knew, I knew that I needed to get help. and. Um, by him asking me that question, I was then, I then felt safe enough to share these scary thoughts with him, like my biggest symptoms. And it, it's crazy that it, it took a question like that for him to, to come like to, for him to get all of this out of me. Um, and I look back now and I didn't know what I was experiencing at the moment, but now after learning it, it, it was, you know, the ideation of suicide and not suicide itself. It was just that I wanted to escape this feeling and having no control on type A. I very much love being in control. I had no control over this. And this was not the person I was. This was not the mom that I was. And I felt robbed. Like I I wasn't I wasn't the mom that I had been four months ago with this little baby. And I wasn't, I wasn't present. I was scared to be with her. I was all of a sudden scared to breastfeed her, like it, it, all of this. Um, so not, of course, it's like what partner ever wants to ask a question like that, but you need to ask that question because that is when you know whether somebody needs help right away or not. Um, and I think that just being educated, uh, Every partner, if you have a wife that is currently pregnant or a partner that's pregnant, they need to be educated in this as well, which then makes asking these types of questions 
a lot easier, you know, and using these words like, you know, are you having scary thoughts? Um, are you feeling like you're depressed or, you know, um, just targeting those, those very common symptoms. Um, but listening to them, uh, paying attention to those red flags of someone saying, I don't feel like myself. Um, or, you know, I'm very, I'm getting very little sleep, which is so hard if you're a new mom, because of course you're getting very little sleep. Um, but it, it sometimes takes those uncomfortable questions to let someone know that you truly do care and that this is a safe place that I can share my deepest and darkest secrets with you. And I, like, I still thank my husband to this day for all that he's done for me. And he, like, he doesn't understand why he's like, but I'm your husband. Like, what do you mean? And I tell him all the time, like the center that he found for me when I was discharged from the hospital, uh, that another place that saved me because they, they specifically just focus on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. But he advocated for me during a time that I could not advocate for myself. So he, he got me to the ER by asking me that crazy question. He found this center that was 20 minutes from us that I never even knew existed. And um, he, he just, he went above and beyond. And that's what you think that a partner should do, right? And a, a fam family member should support someone that's going through this. But I tell him all the time that I hear from women so much that they feel so dismissed by their, their partners, by their family members, by their OB, that especially with their OB, it's, this is just normal. You're a new mom. It's overwhelming. Or this is just the baby blues. The baby blues, they last maybe two to three weeks after birth, not four months. Um, and, and baby blues are very common. Uh, women say all the time that their partners or family members will just say like, stop worrying. All you do is worry, 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 worry. Or you're, you're, you're always so anxious, like just stop, you know? And that's like the worst thing that you can say to someone that is going through this, whether it's mild or it's severe, um, because no one wants to feel this way. I, it's honestly the absolute worst um, thing I've ever experienced. And if someone, and I, I feel like this is so relatable for so many, but if someone dismisses you like that, then you kind of question yourself as to like, is what I'm going through? Like, is this really real? Is it significant? Am I like over exaggerating? Which again, you already know that, that there is something like seriously wrong with you and no one should, should question that. Um, so I hope that, that somehow we can change that as well. Um, because again, we get so much training when we're pregnant about, you know, how to give a baby a bath and newborn classes and this and that, but like nowhere in there is, well, here are the things that could possibly happen with your mental health, which is more important than anything. And here's what we want you and your partner to know just in case. And that would have been more helpful for me than going to a class and learning how to bathe my baby. Well, it's because our society is so 
baby focused, right? And no one is focused on new parents, but specifically gestational parents. I mean, and, and you touched on this in the beginning of the episode that we see that so clearly play out when we are seeing pregnant people tons of times, tons of times, 12, 16, 18, 22 times, depending on the way that your pregnancy goes during pregnancy, you have your baby and it's almost like you're forgotten. It is almost like you are forgotten. You go back in for a six-week checkup. If you're lucky, you get a two-week checkup in addition to that six-week checkup. And that's that. And that's that. And in COVID specifically, a lot of postpartum visits have been changed to virtual. And I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how any provider feels like that is okay to not lay your hands on someone, physically see someone, have someone in the same space as you that just had a baby six weeks ago. That blows my mind that any provider would accept that as acceptable standard of care. I'm, I'm just very disappointed in the way that our maternity care has handled this throughout COVID. I know that there is a better way to do this, that we can keep everyone safe and still properly support postpartum parents. Um, Okay, Jen, when we're talking about getting support, so you took a trip to the ER, you had a brief stay in the psychiatric unit, that left you feeling more broken. So with that, I think there's a double-sided coin, right? I think some people have now heard this and they're like, well, I'm certainly not going to the ER now. And then there are going to be people who are like, well, I'll give the ER a try. And if they leave me feeling broken, then what? So if you choose not to go to the ER and or the ER discharges you and you feel even worse, where do we go mm-hmm. from there? Um, how, what are our next steps? Obviously, getting connected with a counselor. You had mentioned a center, but that feels overwhelming. What are our, what are our actual literal steps? You come home. What's next? So sadly, there is not much out there. Um, and it's, it's hard to, I think that it starts with knowing um, what these symptoms are and knowing that, you know, whether you have like a specific perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, which um, I put on my website under the resources page, there is like a new mom checklist. And it kind of just ask simple questions and um, it allows them to then use that with their provider or their doula or whatever and say, listen, this is, this is what I'm kind of experiencing. And sometimes that checklist is a lot easier than for a mom to verbally say what they're feeling or they're experiencing. Um, And then um, from there, talking to someone, especially when you know what it is that you are suffering with or struggling with um, and whether it is like the baby blues or if it's something more. So just having that knowledge, but seeking therapy is so important, but again, finding a therapist, especially one that specializes in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is very difficult, which is another major problem. And I know now during COVID, getting a therapy appointment is near impossible because there's so many people suffering, not even postpartum, just in general. Um, 
And, you know, talking about healthcare, it, it makes me so sad too, that therapy is not easily accessible and it's not affordable. And most of them, you know, don't take insurance. And I completely understand that, but therapy was like a lifeline for me. And I, I'm grateful that ours was covered through this center. Um, but not everybody has this amazing center that I went to. And I couldn't imagine having to pay out of pocket weekly because I needed intense weekly therapy to get through this and to have some sort of validation. Um, so I, I wish there was a better answer, but unfortunately there is really, there's not much help out there, but, um, this, this is an illness that is temporary. It's treatable. And I myself did not want to believe my therapist or anyone that was telling me that you're going to get through this because I never thought I was going to get through it. But here I am. You do. Um, but I always say that it's temporary and treatable when you put the work in. And the work is, like I said, therapy. Um, group therapy is so, so helpful to be surrounded by other moms that get you and they're not going to judge you. And again, just hearing someone else share their scary thought. And then that other mom is like, oh my gosh, someone else is experiencing that too. Or this mom keeps talking about like, she's just so great, like feeling so much rage towards her husband and like, that's me. And now it's safe for me to talk about it because that other mom brought it up, you know? And that power of being in that that group. Um, and I know that this specifically is not for everyone, but it was 100% for me was going on an antidepressant. And again, you know, it there, this can range from mild to severe. And I went to the center with the attitude of, I am going to do whatever I possibly can and whatever these professionals tell me to do that's going to get me better. And I didn't care what it was. And they, of course, highly recommend antidepressants for what I was experiencing personally. And I didn't think twice about it. And I'm someone that really doesn't take Advil, like, but I didn't care. I wanted this to be gone yesterday. So if taking a, you know, an antidepressant was going to help, I was all for it and completely life-changing for me. Um, and I think that I probably could have benefited from being on something for anxiety my entire life because, gosh, it's so nice to not worry about every little thing and actually like enjoy all of these little moments that I realize now would like make me worry, you know? Um, so you can definitely reach out to your, your OB um, first and you can use this checklist that I that is on uh, my website, momsmaternalhealth.com and bring this to your OB uh, because have them, having them see it on paper, they kind of now have to do something about it and take you more serious and um, ask them for referrals for a therapist. And therapists are amazing. Like I should have gone to a therapy therapist my whole life. Like it's so, it's so great talking with someone. Um, and having that, that validation. So none of this is like getting help. None of it is, is scary, whether it's a therapist, the ER, a psychiatric ward, like 
whatever is going to get you back to you because you deserve to be like the great person and the great mom that you are and you might need some help and there is nothing wrong with it. There is no shame. You didn't do anything to get this. You're not a bad mom. You're not a bad person. It happens to so many people, one in five women. And that's really just like what's reported. It's probably way more than that. And I always say that like, if this can happen to celebrities, then we have proof that it does not discriminate and that nobody is immune to it. Absolutely. I mean, it just, it really doesn't, and it doesn't care who you are and you've already touched on this, but it doesn't care what number baby this is. And it doesn't care where you are in your pregnancy or postpartum journey. It does not discriminate. Okay. So I wanted to hit on a little bit on what your experience in that center was. So I, I imagine a lot of people have kind of different ideas of what your experience was. Did you go and stay and sleep at this center? Were you visiting once a week only with your, um, when it was time for your appointment, what were you doing in between appointments? If you didn't stay there, what was that experience like? So um, this was located uh, in a hospital, like a separate uh, building. And they have um, therapists that specialize in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And then they also have nurse practitioners there. So um, I came and went as I pleased. I had therapy once a week with my therapist. Then they also have group therapy, like different classes every single day. Um, It could be on coping mechanisms. all different types of therapy. Some were just like, just kind of, you know, in a room talking with other moms, it was baby friendly, which was wonderful. So it was also a place that I was able to go to with my baby and, you know, just get out of my house and and do something and be around other people, which is so helpful for your mental health as well. Um, So it was just like a safe place to, you know, make connections with moms and be around other people. And talk about your real and honest experiences and truths and not be judged. And at the same time, be validated because other moms are shaking their heads like crazy because they are experiencing and feeling the same way. Um, So, and then they also, I also met with a nurse practitioner there every two weeks who managed the medication, which I think is a piece that is not um, done enough. Like, I'll hear people go to their OB and their OB will prescribe them medication and then they don't hear from them. And then they either stop taking the medication or they, they, um, they just stay on it. And they're like, I don't notice anything, but somebody needs to be managing that dosage because the dosage is crucial. What works for you may not work for me. And me personally, I have a very high metabolism. So it took me quite a while to get to the dosage where I felt anything Um, so, uh, you know, and that's why I think it's so important to find someone that specializes in it. And I pray that sometime in the near future that there will be, um, more people that do specialize in this so that these pieces are, you know, are there readily, uh, available for, for people that are brave enough to seek help, but then, you know, like want to keep getting better. Uh, so Yes, I did not stay at the center. I I came um, and went whenever, and um, it was it's it was life changing. And it's unfortunate that every hospital does not have a center like this. And I can't even tell you 
at how many people. And I know during COVID right now that she, the lady that runs the center, um, she has like seven to 10 moms that call every single day. It skyrocketed during COVID. Um, but there is a clear need for, for it. Um, and unfortunately there's just not really many places for, for women to turn, you know, I think that's always been the case, right? There's always been a need for it and very little help because we just unfortunately Mm -hmm. don't see women's health as a priority, as a nation, right? You and I do, individuals do, but as a nation, as a society, we just unfortunately do not prioritize women's health. Um, All right, Jen, I wanted to, to talk briefly before we get off on, we've done a lot of gestational parent focused PMADs. What about the partners who did not go through pregnancy and birth? I think a lot of people are sometimes really shocked to hear that non-gestational parents can also suffer from perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Talk to us a little bit about that. What are we looking for in our partners? Um, You know, how does this happen since they don't have the same hormones raging through their bodies like gestational parents would. What help us make sense of this? Yeah, so that is it's such an interesting topic and one that is definitely not spoken about um, enough as well. But uh, yeah, I mean they they go through a major change as well as a mom postpartum and their life changes very quickly, just like ours. And sometimes that overwhelming um, feeling and the change and all that stuff can lead to someone feeling depressed or missing their old life or um, a lot of the same or similar symptoms, not having that connection with the baby or, um, you know, if their partner is very rageful around them or not letting them do stuff. Um, A lot of women have anxiety around asking or allowing other people to help even their partners. Um, So the, all of these things can kind of lead to someone also feeling uh, like depressed and uh, anxious, but I think I hear more of the postpartum depression with uh, partners more than the anxiety part of it compared to uh, like a mom. Um, but yeah, it, it can happen. It happens to people that like even adopt babies. So it, it really can happen to, to anyone. Um, so yeah, the, the partner is, is something that is kind of fascinating because it just goes to show you how, how powerful something like this can be and how much it can affect everyone. And even though I was the one that suffered with it, um, my husband was wholeheartedly affected as well. And when I was in the psychiatric unit, he, he was a mess because he couldn't be there for me during a time that I needed him the most. I was by myself scared. Um, and for him to see his wife like this, which again is just not what he's used to seeing and hear like for him to hear me respond to his question like I did it's horrible it makes me so sad inside that that this even happened um but it's 
it affects, it definitely affected my, my family once um, they knew everything that was going on, because I, like I said, I was avoiding being in the situation of being home alone with my baby. So my husband worked his schedule around me so that I wasn't going to be alone. And when he had a business meeting, my families, our families were over. So I felt like I had a babysitter at all times to avoid that situation until I, you know, continued therapy and found the right dosage. And I was, you know, getting better. Um, So they, they absolutely felt that too. Um, So, and I think all of that kind of plays a role in it. Um, But it's also very hard for a significant other, especially to open up and share that. Um, And I think especially if you're a male, because it's like, well, what do you like? My wife just had a baby. How am I, what am I going to say? I'm depressed about like, she just had a baby, you know, but it can happen and it shouldn't be ignored. And again, it's, it's temporary and treatable, but it, um, you, you know, if you need to get help, um, especially if it's lasting longer than like two to three weeks and kind of interfering with who you are as a person in your day-to-day life and your relationship. Um, and, like I said, I like, what's the alternative? Um, I was just in that situation where, again, I, I was willing to do anything. And if that meant going to a psychiatric unit, I 100% would do it again in a heartbeat if I was going to get past what I went to. Um, and I think that it, it is scary. And so many women will say that, like, I don't want to go to the ER. Um, and, and even for partners too. Um, but that very well could be the safest place for you and, and help you get answers. Um, so, yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said that remember how much security and safety that you felt when you were in the psychiatric ward, which seems really counterintuitive, right? When, when you're not feeling really out of control, psychiatric unit doesn't bring comfort and feelings of safety, right? But once you reach a place where you know you're not safe to be in your home or you're not safe to be around your baby, I think your perspective of the psychiatric unit in the ER probably shift very, very radically. It must be so scary as a partner, um, you know, a non-gestational parent to watch your partner go through this. Um, I clearly have never watched my partner go through this, but we've had deaths in the family and we've had, um, you know, hard times and we've swapped jobs and all very insignificant things compared to postpartum mood disorders, but still nonetheless, super hard on me as a partner to watch Nicholas go through that. Um, Mm -hmm. So this must be, it must be so, so, so scary. That is, um, that's, it's it's just hard. It's just hard. You and your husband are such hashtag relationship goals. You guys are <laughs> such a great example of um, pivoting, right? From what you thought postpartum was going to be like. And this was your second postpartum together. You guys had already done this once um, and you already had something to compare it to. And you already had a story of postpartum. And I think that so many people are going to hear this episode and hear your story and realize how important it is to take every pregnancy and every postpartum experience individually um, and, and not 
put this postpartum experience or this pregnancy in comparison to previous pregnancies or previous postpartum experiences or your friend or your neighbors or your sisters or Mm -hmm. some random influencer on Instagram, you can't compare, right? It has to be individual. And and when you hit a bump in the road or fork in the road, it is okay to pivot. It is okay to ask for help. It is okay to reach out and say something is not right. I need some support. So listeners, You guys, if you or anybody you know are having a hard time in pregnancy or postpartum, please know that Jen and I, my team, we're always here. Um, We can get you connected to the resources that you need to be connected to. Um, You are so, 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 so far alone. So, 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 so far from being alone. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there are thousands, if not millions of people who know what it is like to be in your shoes, even though your brain right now is telling you that's not true. It feels so alone, but you're totally, totally not alone. So please, please, please reach out. Do you realize this is temporary? Do you realize that this is nothing that you have done or have not done? Please realize that This is also very common, but I don't want you to confuse that with normal. This is not normal what you're feeling, but it is extremely Mm -hmm. common, meaning you don't have to stay this way, but it's good that it's common because we have so many solutions. Um, Jen, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here with me today. This episode has been incredibly eye-opening. I cried. I laughed. I mean, we just went into (laughs) such deep topics. And I think, you know, a lot of topics that people are really scared and nervous to bring up and, and, and talk about. Um, So if anybody was wanting to hear more from you, learn from you, work directly with you. If something you said today really struck a chord with someone and they were like, oh my God, I got to talk to this lady. How do people connect with you? So my website is momsmaternalhealth.com. And um, you there, we have blogs on there as well. Uh, so you can read through them. They're on all different parts of your journey in motherhood, whether you're currently pregnant or, um, you know, on first time mom, et cetera. Um, and then there is a whole mental health resources section that breaks down all the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, all of the symptoms. Um, there's that new mom checklist that is such a valuable tool, especially when you are speaking with your OB or your doula, um, that you can print that out there. Risk factors are on there, which are so important because there's so many risk factors that it doesn't mean you're going to suffer with it. It just means that you have a higher chance. And it's important that you know that so that if something was not to seem the right, you know, feel right or something, then you do know that there was, there is a chance. Um, And then there is, um, there's also a section on there where if you would love to share your story about any type of hardship in motherhood, it doesn't need to be about a mood disorder, um, that you can contact me to, uh, share your story because I think that, um, my whole purpose, one of my many purposes of mom's maternal health, um, aside from changing the world and educating all pregnant mamas prior is that I, um, 
I give women the courage or not even women, but anyone, the courage to share their story, share their, their truth, their honest hardships of motherhood so that we can normalize them so that women aren't feeling like I'm the only one that's dealing with this, or I'm the only one that's constantly worrying about this. And our stories are so incredibly powerful. And like I said, there are Tons of people out there that are praying to come across something like this and that that make them feel seen and heard. Um, so I, I welcome all storytellers. You don't need to be a, a blogger, just sharing from your heart um, and how how that can help so many people and break stigmas, especially on mental health um, on Instagram and Facebook. I am mom's maternal health. And my email is hello at mom's maternal health. Um, so we have so many different ideas that we have in the works that we are hoping to um, bring to our mom's maternal health platform. Many of the things that I know helped me and so many others as well and trying to make it easily accessible and kind of be like a one-stop shop for um, moms, uh, you know, pregnant, trying to conceive, uh, all of it, you name it. So, but yes, you are, you're never alone. And I think that the more society shares their, their honest truth, um, the more normal we're all going to feel, especially in motherhood when it can feel like you're the only one that is dealing with something. Um, and just, I can't remember, I think two days ago, um, Someone shared their story. Um, I posted a blog and it was uh, all about she, how she had her baby. And or when she was pregnant, everyone was just telling her, like, wait until you meet your baby for the first time. Your life's going to be forever changed. It's going to be this instant bond. And she had her baby and she didn't feel any of those things. There was no bond. There was no connection. And she just immediately thought like something must be wrong. Like I must be going crazy because this is not like everyone told me it's going to be like, or how the movies portray it. Society makes it believe it's going to be like, and that's a very, very common symptom that you don't have that bond with your baby in the beginning. And she um, had come across one of my posts on social media when I had started sharing all about my story and she was like, I'm going to message her because I have nothing to lose at this point. And she did. And um, I was able to help her get started at this center that I went to. And um, it, it just goes to show you like the power of storytelling that she was able to come across my story, which then got her help and made her realize that this is something that, that is common. And in sharing her blog the other day, I just was so taken aback by how many women commented and said, I experienced this too, but I was so ashamed to say anything. Like, what are people, even my family or my husband going to think of me if I tell them like, there's no connection with the baby and I, like, I, I don't feel like over the moon excited right now when society makes us believe that we should. Right. Um, and she just offered so much hope to these women that like that bond is going to come. It's not always going to be like that. Um, so our, our stories and sharing the honest and raw parts of, of motherhood really can help women, uh, in so many aspects of life. 
Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for pioneering this piece of motherhood and for really being that voice for all the people who feel like they can't, right? Um, for for all yeah. the people who do feel that shame and that guilt and that immense pressure to uh, suffer in silence, you guys rise up, speak up. You do not have to suffer in silence. You are not alone. <clears throat> Jen and I are here. My team is here for you as well. Um, we, we both have communities. Jen and I both have communities that will welcome you with open arms. Make sure that you're filtering what you have in your everyday life, right? Don't follow people who make you feel like garbage. Don't read blogs that make you feel like your story is not worthy or is not right. Um, make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people who uplift you and encourage you and believe you, right? Hashtag believe moms. All right, guys. Happy Tuesday. I will see you again on Friday for another episode of Friday Free Talk. Thank you so much for joining Jen and I today. We really appreciate your time. And don't forget by showing up here with us, you're showing up for yourself, even if it's just for this one hour. All right, listeners, XOXO, I will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.